Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Thank you so much for joining us today as we drive it home. I am your host, Patty Vasquez. And one of the issues that we have been amplifying and supporting are, are the conversations around women's autonomy, around birth control, around abortion. For decades, our very good friend, Terry Cosgrove, who was the executive director, CEO of Personal Pack here in Illinois, was dedicated to making sure that our legislation reflected the needs and really the opinions of Illinoisans, and he is brought with him today to introduce to the audience, Brian Howard, the executive director of I knew I had a Project second ago. 50. Project 50. I'm like, to basically the idea being replicate the work that Personal Pack has done in Illinois of strengthening laws so that women have access to the full range of health care services across the country, which we now see so many women need. Exactly. Excellent. So, Terry, let's start with you because uh, we've talked about this before. You and I are both University of Illinois alum, mm-hmm. and you started this kind of work even when you were before college, really. Is that right? Uh, yes. Well, basically, I was uh, I, I went to the University of Illinois. My first year was 1971, and uh, which was two years prior to Roe, and then uh, and then Roe happened. And what really got me involved was uh, was shortly after Roe, uh, Medicaid funding was cut off for low income women. So um, I was part of a group called the Abortion Rights Coalition of Champaign County, and then what came out of that was the Emergency Abortion loan fund, which we raise money to help low-income women who were no longer eligible for abortion care under the state and federal Medicaid program. Both the federal government, the Hyde Amendment, and then the state of Illinois in 1977 uh, cut off access to Medicaid funding. So that's what kind of... And then everything from there. And then, of course, there were more cases, obviously, Casey, and more Illinois state laws where Illinois was one of the most anti-choice states in the country uh, as a result of... You know, you and I have discussed the law that required a married woman to get her husband's written permission to get an abortion. I think we were the only state in the country that ever did that, which we repealed with the Reproductive Health Act that you know about. So, so that's the that's the quick uh, evolution. Move to Chicago. You've seen the entire drama unfold in real time, right? And, and saw the stalling out of so many, uh, I think, goals of Illinoisans of people who really were more forward thinking because we were one of the states that was about to. Add Equal Rights Amendment, we were going to ratify it mm-hmm. here in Illinois and be one of the states moving towards amending the Constitution. And then, of course, the groups led by people like Phyllis Schlafly slammed the brakes on that. And now we, the fruition of her efforts and the consolidation of evangelicals, of far right wingers, uh, we see manifest in state after state. So introduce us to Brian Howard now from Project 50, who is the uh, executive director and wants to replicate what you've done. How did you how did you two join forces and meet each other? Well, uh, Brian have known each other for many, many years, except he unfortunately left us uh, about 25, 26 years ago to um, move to Arizona, where he was the president CEO of Planned Parenthood of Arizona. And um, as soon as he, um, as soon as I got word that uh, he was moving back to Illinois, or back to Chicago, um, I told Marcy Love, the chair of, uh, who the founder of Personal Pack, that we have to get Brian involved. So Brian came and then uh, 
Tina Chin and a bunch of Heather Staines were all um, interested. Julie Hamas, people who have been involved with reproductive rights for years, had been bothering me uh, for a long time <laughs> to take um, the personal bank model to other states. and so, Take it on the road. So, yeah, take it on the road. So as they were meeting, uh, Brian got involved with it and uh, became the executive director, which was a brilliant move because he is one of the smartest people. One of the um, his resume is he would chaired um, the board of Rewire News, which is this national information center, um, as well as being the CEO of Planned Parenthood and then as roots in Planned Parenthood in, in Chicago. So I'm going to stop and let Brian See? introduce himself. But that's always the great thing about having someone who knows you say some yeah. of the things you might not otherwise. So right. Brian Howard now, yeah. the executive director of Project 50. Where did you grow up, my friend? I grew up here in Chicago. What neighborhood? Uh, uh, near Northside. Okay, where'd you go to, where'd you go to high school? Uh, went to high school in Highland Park. Oh. Uh, my uh, parents separated. My mother got a job in Glencoe. Okay. And uh, didn't want, uh, and I had younger siblings, and we didn't, she didn't want us going to school downtown while, uh, as youngsters, while she was on the North Shore. Sure. So moved north and went to uh, Highland Park High School. HPHS, all right yep. then. Yep, yep, I'm a giant. Um, <laughs> Um, along with Nancy Rotering, mm-hmm. uh, the well, mayor of Highland Park, who was my classmate in 1979. Oh, wow. That's a good class, though. I know that. These are why we ask these yeah. questions. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and so was there a little bit of, uh, were you involved at all in so, social issues and uh, civic engagement? So, uh, uh, is what, it high school? Uh, not so much in high school. Uh, in um, uh, I went to a school at the University of Southern California. Uh, where I joined the what was then uh, the Gay Student Union. We didn't even say gay and lesbian. Um, This is a long time ago. Um, But we got involved with the Gay Student Union um, and uh, student government. Probably my two, my uh, entry uh, gateway drugs uh, to this work. And then when I came back to after school, uh, 1984, um, I spent a year working for the Hadley School for the Blind on the North Shore um, and then had the opportunity to join Planned Parenthood Chicago. So basically, uh, from 84 until now, I've been in some facet of reproductive rights and health. And to Terry's point, in the late 80s, early 90s, I was overseeing Planned Parenthood Chicago's healthcare services. Well, thank you. I'm, try- I'm doing the math as to when I, because when I was, uh, I want to say it was 1994, Plant because Planned Parenthood provides healthcare, this is the thing, is that people don't understand. I had precancerous cells in my cervix mm-hmm. and did not have my own, because in the 1990s, we couldn't be on our parents' insurance after a certain age. And uh, this, this, you guys saved my life. And gave me the ability to have children, and I have two boys. So I thank you and everyone with Planned Parenthood for all your work. Uh, um, Routine care, annual pap smears, Mm -hmm. key to long lives and long health. And and Um, the cost, I always remember this number, $117 to have them frozen out of my cervix, have them tested, the whole thing. mm -hmm. And so I will always be grateful. Well, thank you. I'm glad you were a patient. I'm glad we were there for you. it, uh, but it, to Terry's observation that we were not, this was not a friendly state for reproductive health and uh, reproductive health care, including abortion care in that era. And so when I was overseeing uh, Planned Parenthood's health care services, including abortion care, uh, we were one of the first states to pass a trap law, a targeted regulation of abortion providers law, which specifically is intended to make it 
harder, more difficult, and more expensive to provide care. So requiring abortion-providing health centers to have massive air conditioning systems and uh, ultra-wide hallways uh, that would be required for hospitals that provide that do heart transplants, uh, which is you know, nothing like abortion care. Um, but that was one of the methods that, that the opposition in Springfield was, was using to uh, make it more difficult to provide abortion care here. So Terry is absolutely right that those of us who were involved in delivering that health care in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, um, were, were trying to overcome all of those obstacles to ensure the continuity of care. And I don't think people realize, I mean, like how scary it was, even though it was, it was we had access to it again, it became prohibitive for those who didn't know where to go or how much it costs. And then the providers uh, being kind of under this these uh, regulations. Because I remember this being an issue that even went to the Supreme Court. I was Texas that it was about the doorway size. And the Supreme Court was at the time was like, well, this is this is too much of a burden on the providers. Right. We, we still had some level headed jurists who were reading the what was what they were trying to accomplish, which was eliminate abortion until right. they finally had. So did you like Terry? It seems like we know that Terry's had this fire under many always was saying, don't be complacent. We have a lot of work to do. So it sounds as though you also are coming from that, especially with uh, how drastic things were in the 80s. I mean, we uh, you couldn't work in a place like Planned Parenthood. And I'm sure this is true of uh, organizations that serve LGBTQ plus youth that serve uh, uh, immigrants. Uh, you, know, you, you can't work in those spaces and not see the gap between people who have access who have resources and who have and and access to information and access to care and people who don't and as long as i i hope that people who see that on a daily basis want to do something about it and so uh, i was with Planned Parenthood here uh, from 84 to 97, and then had the opportunity to head up the Planned Parenthood organization in Arizona uh, for the next 23 years after that. And, you know, this is something people are saying now when they see the story like Kay Cox in, in uh, Texas. Well, you know, well, she, she was fine. She went to another state. Can you explain to folks why that is not the standard and that she can just go to another state? There's so many reasons why that's not acceptable. The, the, uh, and I'm sure Terry has observations too. The one, one thing that, the one data point that I think gets overlooked time and again is that 60% of all women who terminate a pregnancy already have children at home. 60%. So when you test, when you are, when you are carrying a pregnancy, you are unprepared to continue. Either because of a health consideration, the fact that you were the pregnancy, uh, uh, you know, was the result of rape or incest, um, or it's simply not the r- the right time in your life. Sixty six out of ten women have children at home they have to provide for. If they have to leave the state, what are they doing with those children? Um, do they have to? tell uh, uh, an in-law? Do they have to tell their employer uh, why they have to leave the state for 24 or 48 hours? If they have to go to a state where there's a waiting period um, or they have to, after the procedure, they have to, you know, recover in place. So that one data point, you know, 60% of women already having children at home is an incredible obstacle to simply picking up and going and getting on an airplane to go get care. Well, and it's the, it really is the, I mean, the most important data point is the financial resources to do it because we know prior to Roe v. Wade, women who had means were able 
like Highland Park Hospital was known for for um, doing abortion care under a DNC prior to Roe. And we know of people that left the country and went to Sweden. You know, there were famous cases and that that um, not everyone, but women who had access to resources were able to figure out a way. I mean, I I was in this is off the subject, but it explains it um, when I was in Egypt in 20. 13, I want to say, no, it was 2015, I remember I met with some people from Human Rights Watch there, women who were doing reproductive health care, and I felt like I was at home because they were talking about, well, wealthy Egyptian women have access to birth control, have access to emergency contraception, have access to abortion care, but those who don't have resources, so it was, it was just, I might have been, I should have been sitting at talking to women in Chicago. That's the, it was the same conversation, but it really hit home that the financial, not to mention being able to take off time for work and finding childcare. And, you know, even Kate Cox and a bunch of, uh, some other Texas women who have been interviewed have talked about how lucky they were to have had a supportive husband, to have had the money, to have had to have been able to go. There was an OBGYN that recently had to leave Texas. Mm. And she talked about very openly, listen, I have a job where I have doctors that will cover my patients. I have I have the money. I have a husband right. who will look after our children when I leave the state. You know, she was talking very openly. And I thought that was really um so good for people to understand from someone who was who was a provider and going through you know this very situation so um yeah that's that's the thing is that uh, again when we talk about the economic resources and the ability and why anyone makes this and and, that, and often it's not necessarily even a decision it's a need right it's yes. it is a need and you know we talk about it as choice and we, and you know always the framing the argument of for me they're forced birthers not pro life we right. we can go no. on and on about how they are the opposite of it in so many different examples we are talking to uh, to Brian Howard who is the executive director of project 50 uh in, in the efforts to make sure that the the strong laws that we have enshrined in the state of Illinois in large part from the hard work of Terry Cosgrove and personal pack and all the legislators and the volunteers and all the people who've been involved. Uh, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, we don't allow other states to continue to go backwards. They have some of the most harsh laws in places like Mississippi and, and Idaho, Texas, uh, right ne- near us. We have Missouri and Iowa. Let's take a break here and find out more uh, about these stories. Continue the conversation. If you want to join us, we can open up the phone lines. Uh, we're going to be talking about health care for everyone and the full range of services that should be available to us. 773-763-9278. That's 773-763-9278. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with a couple of powerhouses in the uh, the abortion rights movement. 
uh, as so many women are losing access to health care in, in many instances to save their own lives their, uh, or to save their ability to have children in the future, to save themselves, whether it's emotional or physical. And one of the things that uh, Brian Howard mentioned, the executive director of Project 50, uh, an effort to make sure, a movement to make sure that we enshrine the rights of all families across the country, uh, as we have in Illinois, due to the hard work of people like Terry Cosgrove. You mentioned uh, rape and incest, and this is one of the things that, you know, this was, there were always a talking point. So it was always, it was, there was a lot of placating. There was a lot of patting us on the heads for decades. A lot, tut tut, you're overreacting. Uh, don't worry. You know, well, well, of course we believe in making sure that a woman whose life is in danger uh, or a woman who has uh, been raped or the victim of incest, we, yes, we, we believe in exceptions for that. And they have demonstrated that's not the case. And in general, the, the number of women that even report rape or are able to have, you know, have someone convicted of that are minuscule. So how, you know, you guys just mentioned off the air that uh, you heard a, a number today about how many, how many, uh, how many births there have been possibly as a result of rape, right? Yeah. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was just reached by, re- released by JAMA, the, the medical journal. So this is not anything political. And in the 14 states where abortion is banned, 64,565 pregnancies have been caused by rape. Just in 14 states where abortion has been banned uh, last year. So um, this was on, uh, this is NPR story, NPR from uh, Uh, January 24th. So it's a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I just heard about it today. So I mean, when that number seems improbable, 64,000, it's in the context of the fact that there are 19 million women of reproductive age. 14 to 44 in just the states that have already banned abortion. I mean, so you can think of the number of pregnancies that are occurring among 19 million women every year. 64,000 is a completely reasonable number. I mean, sadly, it's not a reasonable number. It's a horrifying number. But it is. But the data is pointing to that many pregnancies just arising from rape or incest. Right. And and again, what, what makes me crazy, again, because for years they said, oh, you know, well, we of course we would believe that there are exceptions that, yes, a woman should be able to to have control of her body when she's been a, a victim of a rape. Um, to me, what, what bothers me is it's not one. We know that's not true, but I shouldn't have to tell you I was raped. Like that's right. that's the whole point of Roe v. Wade is it's none of your business. And I almost right. swore right there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's none of your business. Uh, it was always that was the point of Roe v. Wade was it was nobody's business as to why a woman was pursuing medical attention yeah. and securing yeah. an abortion. Yeah. So, to your- so they made they make us jump through hoops. Sorry, I'm getting angry. No, they make us jump no, through hoops. No. And like now we have to, you know, because they already don't believe us when we say we're right. right. And they don't believe that number because it's improbable and impossible in their minds and not to yeah. survivors of rape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a front row seat, as you did when you went to Springfield. But in the 80s, when I first started a personal pack and in in the early 90s, they never the anti-choicers never introduced a bill in the Illinois General Assembly that did not have a rape and incest exception. They felt that that was so radical and extreme that they could not even do that. Now, there it's just it's unheard of that there is a rape and incest exception in these states. And even in Illinois, we've had bills that were introduced in the, as of the last few years in the Illinois House and Senate 
with no exceptions for rape and incest. And so it's just, they, you know, it's part of the propaganda that they've put out there that they somehow care about women. You know, the 48 waiting periods are just so women have time to think that the right. misinformed consent. Well, women need this this uh, this political uh, propaganda that they put out in order to decide if they really want to have an abortion. It's all a lie. It's all a fraud. And and this, that saying that they care about women, that the fact that 64,556 women and, uh. and have have been unable to get abortion care because they were assaulted um, just tells you everything you need to know about them, how cruel they are, yes. how insensitive. Yep. Yes. And, and how what little regard they have for women as individuals, for women as a class, and for the right of 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 a whole over half the population to decide what's best for them and what they're and what should be done with their bodies. Yeah, that it's not their decision. Government's going to take it away. So yeah, the, there's an expression that I'm sure has been used on your show before that when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Right. Yeah, and I think now with the the evidence of the past um, going on year and uh, going on two years, when somebody shows you who they are, mm-hmm. believe them. Believe that they're going to continue to be who they are. And the the goal of this of the the movement in opposition to reproductive rights is to eliminate all access to care for all women across the country and contraception. Because those are tools enabling women to and girls to exert control over their own futures. And that is the absolute antithesis of their worldview. Yeah. So believe them. I was uh, cleaning out. This is such a bizarre story. And I don't think it's I don't know that it's a good one. It was the first time I've ever said it out loud because it just happened in the last few days. I was cleaning out my basement. We had uh, all these. I have hundreds of books. And I came across a book that I remembered it. It was um, it said uh, how to make more. I had like betting like you know gambling chips poker chips uh how to how to make more money and have great sex and i remember getting this book i was at a laugh fest in grand rapids michigan hanging out with none other than martin short and there was an annoying guy who would not leave martin short alone and would not leave me alone i know we talked for a while and he goes hey i got something for you he came back and he gave me this book and i found it while we were clearing off my shelves and it was signed by him. This whole it was great hangout. And now I have I have documentation that I hung out with Martin Short, and uh, he said I think you really got something with that lipstick mom. It was a show I was doing, and uh, and he signed it. Um, R. J. Reagan. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, that was in 2012. He gave me this book. Well, he became a legislator in Michigan. He was the elected who said that he's taught his daughters that if they're being raped and it seems like it's inevitable, they should just lie back and enjoy it. Now, to have been in the same room as somebody to have, I mean, I, I, I was it, like, because I, I had to Google, I'm like, ah, whatever happened to this guy? But that's who people elect. And that's truly how, I mean, the, legit, the elected in, uh, I think it was Iowa, who said that women who are being raped, their body knows how to shut that down and they can't get pregnant. I mean, this is the, the disgusting level to which many of these folks will lower themselves right. and, and completely eliminate. I mean, not only withhold treatment for women who need it, but also will teach their own daughters that if they're being raped, they should enjoy it. And I can't believe I have that book in my basement. Right. Yeah. I, it, 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 you remember this guy. 
He right, lost last yeah, year. I'm right. guessing from the hard work from people like you. Because <laughs> he, he lost in a red district. He was one of the Trump deniers. He uh, was trying to overturn the election results. Okay, it's not a good story, is it? I probably no, should never no, tell the story not, again. No, I'm thinking. But, it's no, so I'm, crazy. I'm like, smiling. What, could what could I have done in that moment, Martin Short? What could I put in his drink? <laughs> no, because <laughs> all, I, all I can think of is uh, what a wonderful job Gretchen Whitmer and the Democrats have exactly. done in Michigan. Yeah. So I have, I'd never heard this story before, but that's why I'm smiling because I'm thinking, okay, it's so crazy. this is another example. Yeah. of getting your act together yeah, and she electing did. pro-choice candidates and, and, winning and defeating a, right-wingers. But this yeah. also shows that we can flip yeah. places that seem solid red because a lot, well, a lot of times we give up on areas. Like we have our friend uh, Jess Piper, who's the dirt road dirt Missouri. Road in Missouri. Yeah. She's, oh, have you not, have I not introduced you on the I air? I think so. I should have you both on together when you come back from Mexico. We'll okay, make she's happen. great. Okay. Oh, she's, okay. yeah, we have her on every month. Okay. She's amazing. Well, that's why, you know, uh, yeah. and I'm not, not right now, but I want, Brian should talk about the states that Project 50 is involved with yes. because it's exactly the kind of work uh, going to the states where are are getting very little attention, if no attention, exactly, and, and are really um, thirsty and hungry for um, for the political tools and uh, and help in order to turn things around. Because yep. the you know the anti-choicers had a very um, maniacal strategy, but it was a strategy that worked, and they didn't. Roe wasn't overturned overnight. It was done over 50 years. And uh, we have to be just as strategic going forward. Um, and I'm, I'm going to make, a, if, if I can, just a quick pitch for the reproductive rights and and health care side of the movement. Yes. Or of this yeah. contest. The, the people on our side are actually doing something. They're, they're helping people. They're delivering health care. Yes. They're providing accurate non-judgmental sexual health education. That, that's the focus. The folks on the other side have never tried to do anything productive for anybody. Their sole goal has been to take away people's rights. And so they've been able to focus a huge amount of money, 50 years of effort on, on, on disassembling, de- deconstructing the entire framework of rights that women and families have come to depend on for five decades. Um, and while the people on the reproductive rights and healthcare side have been trying to continue keeping clinic doors open, um, putting contraception in yep. people's hands, um, and fight this fight mm-hmm. at the same time. That's Brian Howard. He's the executive director of Project 50. We also have Terry Cosgrove, former executive director and president of Personal PAC here in Illinois. Now pairing up and taking it on the road all over the country. Well, Brian's and doing the work. I'm just I, a senior advisor. Senior advi- advising. <laughs> yeah, yes. which is, does not represent yes. my age, actually. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have both of you in studio. <laughs> More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. And the, I'll take phone calls when we come back on WCPT as well. More in a moment. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. Percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Buy yours at Beer on the Wall, Arlington Heights, Woodman's in Bloomingdale, Kenwood Liquors in Homer Glen, and more to come. Must be 21. Please drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. 
want to thank Terry Cosgrove, the former executive director and president of Personal Pack here in Illinois, making sure that we have on the book some of the strongest laws protecting reproductive rights and health care for women across the state of Illinois. Uh, a model. For, I know that there are other states that are doing a great job. I believe Colorado, California, uh, just to name a few. And joining us as well uh, to help the other states, the whole country, uh, get on this path again. Uh, I don't know how we claw this back. Brian Howard with uh, Project 50, uh, former head of uh, Planned Parenthood. Yes. And uh, just excited to talk to both of you. And I have listeners that are calling in that want to share their thoughts as well. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a few of those calls. Uh, Dave is called. David is calling from San Francisco. David, you are on with me, Terry Cosgrove, and Brian Howard. What's on your mind? Hey, well, thanks, Patty. Yeah, I'm wondering if your guests are studying the aspect of blackmail in uh, the right wing's uh, att- uh, attacks, not only on abortion, but on uh, on immigrants, on uh, gay rights. I'm trying to think. Of what do you mean by can you categories. can you explain what you mean by blackmail uh, in those issues? Well, if you just go back, uh, you know, before 1972, Roe v. Wade, and before Stonewall uh, for gays, and before, well, immigrants have long had a problem with uh, extortion, that uh, that people would, um, if they knew that they were undocumented, they could basically make slaves out of uh, immigrants. Uh, gays were blackmailed on a regular basis before, uh, you know, the gay rights movement came out and the same with um, uh, with abortion uh, if you read um, there were a number of different books that were written uh, uh, if I'm trying to remember um, the the okay. Brethren is the Brethren is a book that was written by Bob Woodward, and in it, it, it's about the Supreme Court. And in the whole chapter on uh, Roe v. Wade, he, he mentions that blackmail had gotten into such a dirty business with, if, for example, a general or a politician had um, a, a mistress that needed an abortion, the top secrets uh, could be lost to an extortionist, and that. Uh, well, let's, here, let's let, let's my, let my guess. I think Brian wanted to address your comments. Well, I think um, I think what you're what I'm thinking of when you're talking about this, Dave, is um, is stigma. There is definitely it is a key strategy of abortion rights opponents, abortion healthcare opponents, LGBT rights and community opponents to stigmatize the, these lives, to stigmatize people who are accessing this healthcare, to make them both. Of, to choose not to get that care, to avoid getting that care, to continue a pregnancy that they are not ready for, that they are not capable of continuing, uh, but also to uh, to make them to ensure they will be silent after the event um, and to to carry in secrecy the fact that they access that care that makes them vulnerable to exposure. It makes them vulnerable to coming out to being pulled I out see. of the closet. So, I mean, I, I, that's what I think of is the, is, is the effort to stigmatize people who are accessing this health care, to stigmatize the physicians and the nurse practitioners and the clinic assistants who are providing this care, uh, to stigmatize everybody who is involved in supporting patients getting this care. 
It's, it's and again, I'm, I'm just reminded of what you were talking about before the break in, in regards to the efforts of a movement like ours, which is to provide care, to provide information, to talk about sexuality. And, and, you know, on the other side of it is to harm people, to withhold rights, to withhold access, to really put people's lives in danger and in many cases uh, and in, in death or per, permanent harm. That's uh, whether it's psychological or physical. Uh, thank you so much for calling, David. I got to move on to another caller. I appreciate your time. Uh, let's get to uh, let's go to Cindy in Plainfield. Cindy, what's on your mind, Cindy? Hi, Patty. Thanks for taking my call. I feel like I call you every week. Hi, Terry Cosgrove. Hi, Brian Howard. Um, I just wanted to get back to when you were talking about states that were saying, well, in the case of rape, we would go ahead and allow an abortion. But the caveat is a lot of them said the rape had to be reported to police. Exactly. There had to be a police report. Now, in 1979, I was drugged and raped by three classmates that I went to school with. And when I regained consciousness in the ditch in my mother's front yard, all I could do is go inside and take a shower and get all of that off the seat. It never occurred to me to report that because I would have been blamed for it anyway, especially back in 1979. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember that today women are raped by their husbands. They are raped by their friends who've had too much to drink. They're raped by family members. And they don't go and they don't report that because of the stigma that they would have. So how many of those women are sitting there, you know, and you don't even know you're pregnant for another four or five weeks. By that time, it's just a he said, she said thing. So this whole thing with these right-wing states that, you know, they're going to consider abortion, you know, if you've been raped, they're full of it. Yes. Right. And and actually, the some of these so-called rape and incest exceptions are so outrageous because to address Cindy's point, they say it has to be reported within four weeks or two weeks or 48 hours to law enforcement. Well, anyone like Cindy's, you know, scenario is the perfect example of how ridiculous and impossible that is because you're you're so traumatized yeah. by the experience that the that one of the last things you're going to think of is to, you know, dial your cell phone or pick up a phone and call and do it. You're just you're you're trying to gain yeah. your composure. Well, and Cindy and, you know, I've shared this before. Right. Yeah, go ahead, Cindy. What about the bad dog and rape kit? Right, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I mean, I, I think that the, particularly when we're talking about smaller communities, yeah. that a young person or a person of any age who has right. been um, sexually assaulted is then expected to go to the local police department that is run by the county sheriff or the small or the police department captain who her she or her parents or her siblings run into at the local supermarket. Yeah. Um, and then with right. the... the the stories that we have seen over and over again, how the assumption is that the that the victim was engaged in some sort of enticing behavior, and that she's she's complicit in in the fact of having been assaulted, or or you be a swimmer, and no. the, the 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 plea is that uh, don't ruin his life over one right. mistake, right? Right, right. right. Of, of a woman. Exactly. Yeah, I, Cindy, thank you for sharing your story again. I appreciate yeah, it, and, and uh, hey. thank you so much. Thank okay. you. 
Thank you, Cindy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, and I've talked about this as well. My, I was 16 when I was, we were in a massive crowd and I was penetrated and my mom, and I couldn't, mom and I have talked about this. Like who, who we, we didn't, we didn't even make a police report because there wasn't anything we, I couldn't, we, there was nothing. And now I know I should have so that people would, the police would at least maybe know that there's somebody out there doing this in crowds. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, let me, let me take one more phone call before we get to the break. Let me go to George on the south side. Hey, George, what's on your mind? Well, hello. hello. Thank you for putting together this excellent conversation. I've been hanging on every word. Um, this may not be a particularly profound perception, but in the past when the phrase a woman's right to choose would go through my mind, I would think think of what is the definition of a woman? And at least in a biological sense, a woman is a human female who is ovulated for the first time. And as just about any family practice physician or internist or pediatrician will tell you, he or she has girls in their practice who are already ovulating and menstruating at the age of eight, nine, and 10. Mm-hmm. And that may biologically be a woman, but in a psychological or emotional or maturation sense, she isn't. But if she's forcibly impregnated by rape or incest, what kind of cruelty demands that she carry that pregnancy to term? I mean, it, it absolutely guarantees that that little kid, young girl who is subjected to this will never be able to throw off the horror of that experience for the rest of her life. And it just says so much about the lack of empathy and understanding and also the huge amount of dishonesty and lack of integrity that the antis have on this. It reminds, they're, yeah. they're just ready to inflict as much pain as they possibly can. And that's all they care about. And what do you say, Terry? The story of the uh, Ohio ten-year-old mm-hmm. who was raped by uh, by her uncle and had to go. They, she could not get an abortion in Ohio. She had to go to Indiana uh, to get the abortion, and and then the to Brian's earlier point about the stigma, the physician who provided her this life-saving care was then investigated, yep. and then the case was taken to a grand jury, which unfortunately I think found that. Uh, in her favor. Yes. But to be able to go through this for providing life-saving medical care to a 10-year-old who was, who was raped and had to leave the state, it's just, it's... it's and it, what was the Republican reaction when it first happened? Yeah. That's not true. It's all right, made up. Right. Again, diminishing, dismissing the, the truths of women and girls all over the country that happens right. every single day. Well, Even something, when the, a person yeah. who assaulted her came forward and admitted to doing it. Right, and still, was prosecuted yeah. and found guilty. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. There is, um, a, you know, in order to do the work that Project 50 is doing in in more uh, complex, politically complex, hostile states, if you will, <laughs> yeah. um, we have to meet people where they are. And so I don't want to stigmatize everybody who holds a pro-life view. But the movement, the core of that movement, mm-hmm. um, holds some pretty... Interesting and contradictory views. The idea that a a minor is not old enough to decide whether to terminate her pregnancy, but she is mature enough to to be a mom. 
I mean, a, a, a 10, 11, 12 year old yeah. can make the decision to not be pregnant, but can be responsible for uh, another human life. Um, it, and, and then to see pregnancy as to see pregnancy as a punishment. For having been sexual, for having been uh, sexually oh. intimate, the, uh, is yeah. is is an extraordinary way to think about um, to think about both people and um, and their lives. The number of times I see in social media, well, she shouldn't have spread her legs, mm-hmm. is just mind blowing to me. And to your point, I, and I've said this before, I know that I can have a self righteous tone. When it comes to these conversations, it's because I'm so angry sometimes about what we're talking about. Uh, I I do appreciate that there are people who have beliefs that are different than mine. I'm not imposing my beliefs on you. And I certainly if you don't believe in abortion and that it's whatever in whatever um, terms you want to put it, then don't have an abortion. Do not restrict access to health care for others. Well, that's the crux of our position, is no one's forcing anyone to have an abortion. It's, it should merely be up to the individual yes. to make that decision what's in that person's best interest, yeah. period. We believe in choice. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and every one of those decisions should be met with respect and dignity. Right, yes. exactly. On um, both sides, yes, regardless. Absolutely. And that's the other thing that's missing, right. is there's no yeah, respect. I'm proud of, I'm yeah. proud to have chosen to have babies. Right. And right. if I had chosen beforehand or at any time to not, I would have been proud to have autonomy over my body. Right. That's the simple truth of it. Thank you so much, Colin. George, i got to take a break here. Thank you. Have a good night. Oh, you too, Patty. Thank you for the conversation again. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you. Let's take a break and more when we come back on WCPTA 20. We're hanging out with Terry Cosgrove, former executive director and president of Personal Pack here in Illinois. Uh, he has uh, done a lot of work. It's a, it takes some time to travel, but also we need you to rest up for the rest of this election year. Uh, and Brian Howard, the executive director of Project 50, will continue our conversation when we come back on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal. I'm going to keep saying it so you remember where to find us. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technograph Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. He wants to split the party. He wants blue folks and red states to vote green. I can see his point, though. I really got to say, no, we can't have another 2016. It seems nothing beats orange. Nothing even freaking rhymes with it. What's a battered nation supposed to do? His royal orange highness, he does love to divide us. We've got to stick together and vote blue. When I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be. I do my level best, yes, it's true. But when I'm voting in November, I promise to remember it's us against him. Gotta vote blue. Don't think I'm a hater. I love Ralph Nader. I don't blame him for the mess in Y2K. With those who represent us, I'm playing the percentages, voting blue down the ticket all the way. When I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be, and I drive a freaking Prius, yes, it's true, and it's blue. But when I'm voting this election, the best eco-protection is to kick the orange out, gotta vote blue. 
That was Steve Goody with Vote Blue No Matter Who. This is an important election year, and I get that. Look, as I said, ranked choice voting down the road. It'd be great to have more choices in our on, in our elections. But right now, it's important that we uh, make sure that Biden is reelected. Uh, right now, that's the path uh, for protecting uh, so many so many elements of our democracy. We are in studio with Brian Howard. He is the executive director of Project Fifty, former head of Planned Parenthood nationally. Uh, yes, Arizona. or Arizona. Arizona, and was. Yes. Previously, a Planned Parenthood here in Illinois, yes. in Chicago, and uh, I am grateful for the services that I was able to benefit from. And again, I have two beautiful boys, and uh, and that might not have been the case had I not been able to. Because a lot of look in general, Terry Terry Cosgrove, former executive director and CEO of Personal Pack here in Illinois, um, is that women also? What, you know, you were talking about how Planned Parenthood teaches girls and women about sexuality. A lot of us grow up not wanting to talk about it. It's all tucked inside. It's a different like that's something we don't ever talk. Like we don't even like being in the syrup. Sorry, Terry, I'm gonna gross you out. Yeah, no, but but I like think- like when I went to Planned Parenthood, um, they didn't have the equipment that I for the cryotherapy to have the cells frozen off. I had to go like to the west side, which is a different environment. And uh, and those women that were working with me, like they laughed because I was so stressed that my hips were up off the table, and they laughed because I'm super flexible. So when I relaxed, like you know, I flopped open. <laughs> and they were like, they're like, oh, she's flexible. They're like laughing, and I'll, I'll always remember that because I, as a stand-up comic, I talk about women's health. I talk about how embarrassed and humiliating, how painful it is, so that other women realize they're not alone. And because we're in this, the exam has been done almost the exact same way since 1927, guys, yeah. and we don't like going anyway. So there are women who put off those treatments who don't want to find out. I had one woman tell me that she had not had a Pap smear in 11 years until she saw my show and when she was in the stirrups she thought of me i put that in the wind column my friends So on top of everything else, there's already a stigma to women's health, isn't there? Well, there's a stigma to women's health. I mean, there's a stigma to sexuality yes. and everything associated with it. There's a, a saying uh, that friends of mine in Australia say that they're glad that um, they got the prisoners and we got the Puritans. I mean, we have inherited... <laughs> we have inherited a culture that yeah. demonizes sexuality, that demonizes those parts of our body that right. are about that. Um, and it, it, it makes it off-putting for many people to get that health care. And yet, it is that routine health care. It is getting the HPV vaccine. It is getting the annual exam, ensuring that, uh, that, that, um, you know, that you don't have an STD. That it's, birth control is a critical piece of it. Abortion care is a critical piece of it. But, but just knowing that you are healthy um, is is a part of it as well, yes. and um, and 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 one of the terrible side effects of of politicizing this healthcare is that it decreases, it, it makes it more stigma laden to for too many people to go get routine care that can save their lives. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and like, it's so crazy that I remember when the argument was in certain states, uh, while we were still clinging to making sure that abortion was, was accessible to women all over the country. I can't remember if it was Virginia, one of the states that they started passing around this idea of transvaginal ultrasounds, which, ha, I, I, was, I, I the fact that when I had my first one, I was like, what? I was, I felt lied. I mean, because they wanted them to sit there. They want them to hear the heartbeat. They want all these things. And it, it's like, it's such an invasive exam. They can't even get a tally tally. What? Um, there's, it's nothing magic about that wand is all I'm telling you. Like, they are just. Anyway. I believe you. <laughs> but but they, but that was the thing. Again, it's about humiliation and pain, too, yes. what that what essentially that came down to. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reliving a lot of anxieties through these conversations. But it's because it's this important. And it does. Uh, it's just so frustrating that I know while we talk about how strong the laws are in Illinois, it, that means nothing. Absolutely nothing if we don't lo- win, if we don't win the election this year. Yeah, absolutely. And the, um, the, the misogyny that underlies all of this, the cultural, it, it's, it's gone on for millennia. And, and it, without winning, you know, and Terry can say, talk about this much more eloquently than I can, but it's every election. You are only your your rights are only as safe as your last election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I can't say it any clearer than that. There you go. We have uh, we have Brian Howard in the studio, executive director of Project Fifty. You're you're good for staying for another hour. Yes, absolutely. Right? I make sure yeah, I was we realizing, get like, around yeah, to the states are working out there. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's about good news yeah. and what we yeah. can do. Yeah, there's a topic for the next hour, and we'll take more of your phone calls when we come back. Uh, I know that I, I I didn't want to put any of it anybody on the air because I wasn't sure. I didn't want them to like get cut off in the middle of their thought. So we'll continue our conversation with Terry Cosgrove, former executive director of Personal Pack. And uh, we're just so grateful for the work that both of you do. And again, all of the people involved in your organizations and all the all the escorts at every abortion clinic around the country who stand their ground as well. And all the women who are brave enough to seek the care that they need. And those that aren't uh, able to will continue having our conversation and know that, that you, we are here to help and, uh, and offer information where we can. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Driving it home. Well, the off-air conversations can also be entertaining. It's probably for the best that no one can hear them from me. <laughs> in studio with no hot t- mics. No, no, there are now. Terry Cosgrove, <laughs> former executive director and president of Personal Pack here in Illinois, and Brian Howard, the executive director. Not quite sure what he got himself into coming in the studio with me. Uh, personal of, of Project Fifty, uh, making sure that we are doing everything we possibly can this year and beyond to enshrine the rights of women, of girls, of families, uh, and and one of the things that. Terry talks has talked about, and, and I agree with this, is it, it's also economy. We are talking about economy, because if you are entrapping someone in poverty, if they are already poor, or if, if this creates poverty for them, I mean, and then people don't want there to be social services. It's like bizarre to me that we even have these in the same breath. You know? right. Yeah. Uh, let me take uh, phone calls from our listeners who've been on hold for a while. Oh, hi to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM. Let's make sure people know where to go for the Project 50. What's the website? Uh, www.project50.net. And that's 50, project50.net. Excellent. Let's take a couple calls and then I want to talk about, you said you had good news. Uh, we have good news. And we're going to do calls to action as well. 
And uh, let's go to one of our longest listeners. I mean, one of the longest uh, people on hold is Jeanette. Hey, Jeanette, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, you know, I've uh, been listening to your conversation, and I love your show. I think one of the things we have to think about, not only the women, but the unwanted children. You know, when women have children that they're not prepared to have and they don't get the support they need, everybody is more vulnerable to abuse, whether yes. it's physical, emotional, and sexual. And I think that is wholly irresponsible on these people that profess to be pro-life, where they don't give them the support they need, but they force them into having children. And I think we have to make that a bigger issue also. I agree. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I, by the way, Jeanette, if you have a, a sense of humor about some of these things, uh, follow the uh, there's a couple of people. I can't remember their names, but I know the good liars are kind of in this vein. But there are some folks uh -huh. that go and they talk to people that are protesting outside of abortion clinics and they have applications, adoption applications with them. And they're like, have you signed? Oh, <laughs> yes. I have no. Oh, Terry, I will. That, okay, along my, list, along my list of Mexico visits, I will make a, I'll send you some links to social media. But yeah, Jeanette, I will put those together. So you can uh, follow some of those accounts as well, because they. And thank you so much. Absolutely, Patty. thank you, thank you, Jeanette. Be well. Be well. Thank you. And they, they, one of the guys go will march with them and be like, ah, "Women don't know how to take care of themselves. We can't let them choose how to take care of." Them. Like and they, they, yeah. like they basically go lean into the misogyny. Right. It's, it's oh. pretty wild. Uh, so you were saying, uh, Brian, that we have some good news. What's some of the good news you can share with us? Well, the, the good news. Yeah, let. I would start by saying, let's just remember what personal PAC is. And when we talk about exporting the personal PAC model to other states, I mean, personal PAC is an organization that for 35 plus years has engaged leaders in Illinois, uh, partners in law firms, bank vice presidents, uh, labor union leaders, um, community organizers have all been a part of this organization that have raised money to enable the organization to communicate with voters, to hold uh, candidates accountable for their positions on reproductive rights, and then to hold off elected officials accountable once they're in office. Right. There are people, Illinois is not unique in having pro-choice leaders and community members uh, as though the states around us do not. Uh, there are people, there are pro-choice activists, pro-choice business people, pro-choice people in the law, uh, pro-choice clergy members in every state across the country. And the objective of Project 50 is to find groups that like personal PAC that already exist as much as possible and then help them grow. Um, help bringing the tactics and the strategies that have worked here in Illinois to other states across the country. Project 50, we're working in three states. We're working in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. uh, we're working with groups in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and South Carolina because there are reproductive rights advocacy groups in each of those states, but they just haven't built out the program, the, the sophisticated voter communication. They haven't done the voter identification work to build lists of, of supportive voters um, in those states the way the work has been done and to the extent that the work has been done here. So the good news is, and, and those are the first three because that's our bandwidth as a new organization as right. we felt we could work in three states. But as we look across the 16 states that have already banned abortion care, we're also talking to folks in 
places like North Dakota, where there isn't an established group, but there are pro-choice community members who would like to create a group and plant the seeds to build uh, powerhouses like Personal Pack. So the good news is that the raw material is in every state. Right. Um, there are the people who want to support this work financially in every state. And we can build this infrastructure from state to state to state. Um, the way, unfortunately, the bad example, uh, you know, fill in the blank, uh, Ohioans for Life, um, sure. Iowans for Life, the, the, the way those organizations have grown. But also, you know, um, on, the, on the positive side, there are LGBTQ organizations that have grown up in 47 out of the 50 states. Mm. Um, we didn't, our movement didn't have to build groups like this to the extent that we believe that Roe was our firewall that Roe v. Wade would always protect us. And, you know, what we've learned better, so we're starting later. Yes. But there are groups in every single state that uh, that Project 50 and uh, is, is working to support and to grow. Well, I would love to be a part of growing because, you know, one of the hard parts of the last, you mentioned this didn't happen overnight. This happened over 50, 60 years. And in that you know, in that sort of momentum, that energy, that consolidation, whether it was evangelicals and, and racist. I mean, I mentioned that off the air about uh, my dad, uh, you know, be, being drawn to that as part of the Republican Party. They, there were dog whistles, but w- you can't identify a dog whistle unless you know what the whistle is. So it wasn't really it wasn't that quiet. Uh, the Willie Horton stories and, you know, all the w- welfare queens and things like that. You also had people like Rush Limbaugh. You had flamethrowers who were out there diminishing and marginalizing women. Remember when uh, the woman was talking about uh, birth control pills and having it covered. And he's like, how, how much sex do you need? How many pills do you need? Now, again, I'm sure that Rush Limbaugh understood. Maybe he knew it. How, or someone who popped that many pills just figured that's how birth control pills work. You take a bunch so you don't get extra pregnant. Um, but I mean, but but talk radio continues to be more than half of people still listen to talk radio every single day. And but it, in parts of like states like you're talking about, Oklahoma, Arkansas, there aren't voices like ours every day having like knowing that there are people calling in and, and talking about their personal experiences or what is being done to women. We, you know, we, I would love to grow with you. That's what I'm saying because we need to have these conversations accessible. And I'm, I'm trying to find other ways to amplify, you know, whether it's a podcast or SiriusXM, but to know that we have these conversations happening. One right. of the things we knew in that we know uh, in Planned Parenthood about sex ed is that you it, that no one voice changes the cultural conversation. Right. It's, you can't, one 45-minute sex ed class in school doesn't, does not help shape a young person's um, worldview and, and help them protect themselves. You have to have clergy. You have to have the media. Right. You have to have parents. All yep. these voices in young people's lives help shape who they are. And the same is true for this movement. Um, if we're going to if we're going to create a safe space in places like Arkansas and South Carolina for people to take a stand and, and express their values that they support their neighbors right to make these decisions for themselves. And we we uh, before we wrap up today, I would love to talk about what Terry and I are working on to put a spotlight on five women legislators in uh, South Carolina that uh, filibustered an abortion ban and won. 
That's outstanding. Um, so they're, they're, the, the examples are out there. And they got the Kennedy Profile and Courage Award in oh. 2023 for Philip oh. in South Carolina stopping a six-week abortion ban. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, great. and uh, Brian's going to talk more about the details of all of that, which is really important. And we need people's help in getting that work done. Yeah. yeah. So. And speaking of South Carolina, uh, I was listening to Joan Esposito's show and you know, there, Pat Brady, who is the former head of uh, the GOP in, in Illinois, was talking about how he's all in on Nikki Haley. And I know that there, it seems as though she could be alluring to people who are like, well, you know, she, you know, Trump is, you know, crazy. She seems, you know, level headed. And but she also believes and has said she believes in a national ban on abortion. Make yeah. no mistake, folks, just because, of, you know, because he probably will choose a woman and maybe that will appeal to some suburban moms. Uh, but it is not it, 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 they've, they've accomplished everything that they wanted by this with the Supreme Court and they will do worse. No, it, no anti-choice politician. And I would include Nikki Haley as an anti-choice politician has said. I'm in favor of a 12-week ban and that we stop there. That right. all women in the country for the rest of the, our days through 12 weeks should be able to. I will go to I will go to the floor of the house. I from the White House will defend the right to abortion through 12 weeks. That's not what they're saying. No. They're saying is they want to ban abortion to 12 weeks now mm-hmm. and 6 weeks later yep. and entirely in the future. Exactly. So Jim wanted to chime in about Nikki Haley. What's on your mind, Jim? Hi, Patty. How are you, gentlemen? Uh, I hope you have a good evening. First of all, the pollsters say Nikki Haley would be Biden. Well, I'll, I'll take it uh, humbridge to that because of the fact that Trump's voters are so cemented to Trump that I don't know if they go out willy-nilly to vote for Nikki Haley. I mean, that, you'd have to convince me of that. I think they'd be so far along that they would, I don't know if they'd jump behind Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley has to be badgered on the abortion issue everywhere she goes. Yep. And, you, and you gentlemen, men in Presno, to me, if I ran a Planned Parenthood uh, outfit, I would explain to the ladies in the audience, what metaprestone is, how it works so effectively, and if you're in a trouble, you're in a state where you can't get an abortion, you, you don't have the money to drive to another state, and you want the privacy of your own conscience in your own life, you know, how do I take the pill and how does it work? And I, this is, a free, is the Supreme Court going to take up, they have the nerve to take up that question? They did. Whether this they is are. A, they are. They have the, they have the, well, that's what I call really on a, a nerve beyond belief. This is a pill that's safer than uh, than aspirin and the, uh, anything we anything we get over the drug, over the counter. And, and uh, that's insane. Uh, yeah. Because this is it's just injecting their religion into our politics. Yep. These are and, insane and that, times, yeah, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but in the United States of America, I mean, I know this is always an underlying current, but when it comes to the population at large, we have every kind of religion and people, atheists and agnostics and everything, and they're working citizens and they work for the U.S. government and et cetera. How can we, you know, put a religious ban on them? There, there is a growing, uh, there's a growing movement uh, to 
to shift the debate over abortion or the the legal rationale to being a faith-based one. So the uh, Roe was based on a right of privacy. Right. And there are Jewish uh, uh, communities uh, and other um, faith, other faiths that are saying that not only is it within my right in my faith to make this decision that in certain cases I'm obliged to access abortion care. And, um, and so that these laws basically enshrine these enshrine a specific faith and say, this will now be this faith will this aspect of, of, uh, religion will become the law of the land. And, and there was a very, uh, in, an interesting facet of this is that in testing the legality of that, apparently one of the Achilles heels is if the law is not consistent. And, and uh, under, in most states, there is nothing. So basically what the anti-choice groups want to do is to establish that life begins at conception and, and ban abortion entirely because from the moment of conception, all pregnancies must be protected. But a lot of states allow infertility clinics to dispose of fertilized eggs, fetuses, that are not going to be used by their donors. And so the states are saying, well, those, those fetuses don't need protection, but the ones that are already uh, women, that women, uh, uh, in women's, implanted. Uh, implanted in women, um, those do. And that is going to be a real legal Achilles heel um, for this, uh, if, under this argument. Yeah. Sorry, I, that was I, down on. No, uh, no, 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 no. Except, I'm except all about I this. just think the Supreme Court's going to buy anything if the anti-choicers bring them and, and yeah. logic and. Well, I, exactly. I mean, they 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 yeah. they use an 1850 um, uh, common law something about witches uh, to overturn Roe v. Wade. You know, they didn't even. Uh, so I don't know. What what they I mean, when Amy Coney Barrett said that she finds birth control disgusting. Yeah, <clears throat> I really don't think we can count on. on <laughs> Thanks for calling, Jim. Appreciate it. Yeah, yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, the, the thing that's bothered me. Well, one, I, I should have gotten a law degree. I just I know that every single time I think about especially this, like the 14th Amendment, which is that you, you cannot uh, supersede someone's own personal rights and basically in, uh, for slavery and for Forcing a woman to uh, fulfill a pregnancy against her wishes is controlling her body against her will. Will and right. and but I haven't seen anybody argue the Fourteenth Amendment for abortion. Yeah. And I've, I know I've had one legal scholar on the show to talk about that previously. And I mean, there's so there's a whole litany of things. It's, you know, it does a well. The other thing about uh, life begins at conception is that then actually every woman is pre-pregnant. Because uh, the the timeline, the way in which you measure a pregnancy is actually two weeks before you actually had sex, because that's when the egg was attached to the lining of the uterus. Let's have fun with science. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, every guy. Okay. I don't want to get. I shouldn't do that. I'm not. I was going into stand up, and that was not appropriate. But but I mean, that was why women were sending their tampons to, to Governor Pence to prove that they had had they had menstruated. I mean, like that because then technically every egg that we lose, we are not fulfilling our destiny as women. 
our biological, yeah. whatever they think it is. Well, I mean, it's going to be one of the consequences of the loss of Roe is that a lot of arguments that were being explored, uh, that were being contemplated, but weren't being put out there because we collectively were defending Roe. The most, yes. you know, defending Roe. There are actually lots of reasons, uh, legally, constitutionally, that this, the ability and right of women to make their own decisions about this, um, uh, about pregnancy, there are lots of legal reasons um, that uh, that that right should be in, should be upheld. Um, but we didn't go down that path because we had Roe. I mean, it's the the fact that we've lost Roe and that 19 million women in 16 states have lost access to this health care is a bold-faced strategy, period, uh, um, a tragedy. Tragedy. Well, it was their tragedy that ended in a tragedy. You're absolutely right. Um, Yeah. And that being said, without Roe, now the doors are open um, to... To building the political movement to to reestablish the right to choose um, and for in courtrooms to um, um, bring new arguments forward because women and family women and uh, and families are not going to put up with this. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people are. Uh, we lost we lost one of our calls. Although his call, to be fair, see from the Gold Coast, his phone cuts out a lot. So I was uh, Dan, I've got your call. I'll get to you in just a moment after the break. Uh, we are hanging out with Brian Howard. He is the executive director of Project 50. Go to project50.org. Com or, or net. net. I yes. knew it was one of those. I knew project five zero dot net. Project five zero dot net. That's f- project fifty dot net. Terry Cosgrove, who is uh, leaving on vacation soon, I have to give him a list of where to visit in Mexico City and thereabouts. Are you going to go to the uh, pyramids to Teotihuacan? Do you think? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Are you doing a tour bus or are you going to drive there? Do you think? Oh, we I Ubered. I Ubered. We'll talk about that. I'll okay. give you the list too. Okay. More in a moment on WCPT. I'm so excited and jealous. More after this on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are in studio with Terry Cosgrove, a former director, executive director, and president of Personal PAC here in Illinois, uh, helping strengthen the laws for women's health care, women and girls across the state of Illinois. And Brian Howard, who is the executive director of Project 50, good project50.net that's 50project50.net to find out how you can help them and get involved and they are focusing you said on three states Oklahoma Arkansas and South South Carolina and uh, on Wednesday we are going to talk to Jeannie Diaz who is the founding director of Four Arkansas People and they're spearheading an abortion rights ballot measure in Arkansas so we'll be talking to her on the phone this Wednesday because uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma I mean Oklahoma uh, just in, in general that you elected Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the fact that she might actually be a candidate for vice president is just like the whole I mean I just it's insane I, yeah I'm not going to weigh in on on her. Yes, Um, no, no, that's not your job. It's mine. But um, uh, but she's interesting. There you go. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And and our 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 friends and allies and the group we work with a group in Arkansas called Progressive Arkansas Women PAC, and they tell some great Sarah stories. Wow. Um, But the ballot initiative uh, seems to be it's 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 a smaller state. They only have to collect ninety thousand signatures. Um, It is um, it is it is. So there are 24 states in the country that don't allow ballot initiatives at all. Um, so there's no end run around an anti-choice legislature, uh, an anti-choice governor. But Arkansas and Oklahoma, and 
do allow ballot initiatives. And Arkansas believes with the, the polling that they've done, the focus groups that they've done, that it's, it, it'll be by a slim majority, but that a majority of, of, uh, Arkansans, uh, support, uh, the right to choose. In their case, the ballot measure will be through 18 weeks of pregnancy. Okay. All right. Well, in Missouri, they're trying to do a, a, an end game where they don't have a ballot initiative, right? This is where they're trying to take that ability away as well, because otherwise the residents of Missouri would put it on the on the ballot. So there there have been multiple proposed language, uh, multiple versions sent to the attorney general. I guess I guess in Missouri, the attorney general decides what the final language is going to be, and then they have to go to court. Uh, if they don't like the language that the attorney general lands on, and the attorney general in, in Missouri is, of course, anti-choice. Um, but uh, I think there's th- the last count that I saw was that there were 13 states that were going to have some form of a ballot measure on their state ballot in in uh, November okay. uh, to codify abortion rights. The challenge is that in only three of those states is abortion currently illegal. In the other states... So in the other 10, it's really about taking state law and putting it in the Constitution. Which we need everywhere in the country. Well, it would be nice to have it federally, but that's we're working on it. We're working, we're on, working it. on it. We're working on it. And uh, Steve in the Go Coast calling back. What's on your mind, Steve? Yes, a couple of points. Uh, one, uh, I think we sometimes unfairly tag the Puritans with a lot of the things that are more readily associated with the Victorians. Puritans were actually pretty progressive on issues of human sexuality compared to their descendants. It's, it's the Victorians that gave us a lot of the conservative okay. public Steve policy. Okay, Steve wanted to call in and so school just, us on this. What do you want to talk about on abortion? Go okay. ahead. Okay, so that, that's just an aside. <laughs> I, I think the Republicans uh, really are they're like the dog that caught the car. They weren't prepared for the for what would come after. So as a result, you've got all of these uh, draconian laws out there, and they're, they're creating a backlash for them because, you know, the, the Republicans wanted the, the pro-life voters. They didn't so much want to overturn Roe. They just wanted the issue. Um, and now that it's been overturned, there's a huge backlash that's taking place. There, I, are, there are two kinds of Republicans. There are adults, and then there are the people who actually believe that God? this is what, the mission. I, I, see, I was going to say, I, 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 before you get too much, I, I think I've said that before, too, where they've caught the, the, the car. I don't think that's it's a broad statement to make because I do think that there are people who wanted this to happen and were ready for this to happen. And that's why so many laws were so quick to be put into place. So I would disagree with that. I mean, I would have thought that, too, only it came so hard, so fast, and women were harmed immediately that I disagree with that. I'm just saying. Well, because there they were laws in place already. It, 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 it Some places. To that as soon as Roe was overturned. Yes. And other, again, we're talking about national Republican politics, the adults in the Republican Party, not the people who were responsible for legislation in states. That's the people that the, the adults in the Republican Party were fearful of because those people were going to turn mainstream voters and independents against the Republican Party. Well, you said, Brian? Well, I mean, a couple of things. So we were talking about these five women legislators in uh, – uh, South Carolina, as, as an example. So uh, interesting factoid, there are 46 state legislators, uh, 46 state senators in the South Carolina State Senate, 46. Uh, as of last year, only five of them were women, five out of 46. Three of those five are actually Republican. And last uh, April, in April of 2023, there was a proposal put forward by the uh, Republican leadership, and the uh, and and Project 50 is nonpartisan. And what we're we're 
focused on the issue. So if you're a Republican who supports reproductive rights, we want to talk to you. If you're a Democrat who supports reproductive rights, we want to talk to you. But in this in this case of South Carolina, there were uh, there was a proposal to ban abortion at six weeks, mm. which for all intents and purposes is is a, is a complete ban because so many so many uh, pregnant people, so many pregnant women aren't even aware necessarily aware that they're pregnant at that point. There was a proposal. These five women senators band together and filibustered for two years, two, two years. That would be amazing. Days. Yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> I was say, uh, for, for, for two days, um, spoke continuously for two days um, to derail this proposal, and they succeeded. Um, you're talking to their 41 male colleagues about wow. what is abortion, about what is pregnancy, about why do women have abortions. And you make a good point in that that's the whole idea of our government is persuasion, arguing, making your point and, and bringing people to your side of the issue. That's the whole thing. So so there are Republicans, uh, you know, there are Republicans in this instance who believe the six weeks went too far. Now, they you know, turned around and they voted for, for a 12 week ban. So, you know, we there they may not be pro-choice in the in in the in the as we would apply the term in Illinois. Uh, or in New York or in California, but they definitely saw that a six-week ban was too extreme for their neighbors and rose to the challenge. So I think that um, you know we we need to have our eyes open mm-hmm. about where the parties stand. Right. You know, the Republican Party national platform is to ban abortion in the United States of America. Period. Full stop. Um, and, and until we have Republican, moderate Republicans, or as you're saying, Steve, the adults in the room, Republicans, um, who are who are ready to stand up and say we need to we need to erase that provision from the the platform of the party, um, we have to you know again uh, we have when somebody says who they are, um, believe them. Hundred percent. Thank you so much, Steve. Take care. I, the other thing about the six week before we go to the break, uh, six week abortion ban is that not only do, do many women not know that they are pregnant, if they do know that they are and they know that they only have a small amount of time, the decision is pressed upon them. And I know that early on they were talking about this in Texas, where women who might have decided to go through with a pregnancy decided to terminate because they didn't want to have the window to close. So right. you might have even had people who terminate a pregnancy who might not have otherwise. Right. So it's just right. it, it's it's madness. Don't make me throw things again. <laughs> Let's take a break here. Again, we are with Brian Howard of Project 50. Go to project50.net. That's project50.net to find out how you can support the work that they do. And we have Terry Cosgrove in studio uh, leaving for warmer weather, even though it's not that cold here. But still, I'm so jealous. You're going to Mexico. Terry Cosgrove, former executive director and president of Personal Pack. Dan, we're taking your call when we come back on WCPT 820. Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hey, Paul. I think I broke my board. Uh, I don't, I, I kind of, uh, cute. Hey, Paul, Shivari, Paul, I think I did something on the board where like all my ads are playing. Let me see. I, I wasn't able to pause something and then all my ads fired like at the same time. <laughs> I rolled everything down. Uh, poor Brian Howard was watching me. He goes, why? Are you? He saw a grimace on my face. And I'm like, I think I broke something. 
<laughs> I uh, I run my own board. We were talking off the air about this. Uh, I started doing radio at WGN, and the uh, assistant station manager sat me down in front of a board for like 15 minutes. So I don't know what I did, but I don't know if you can reload like everything. Yeah, I think they're all still there. I didn't get rid of anything, but those need to be recued, and I don't know how to do that. Thank you so much. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? I'm great. How, how was you? your? I'm good. How was your weekend? It was good. I was here, but it was still good. <laughs> It's okay. I, I still to take you out to Vaughn sometime when you're catching the metro or something. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, before absolutely. You, before you head out, see, do you see how like I screwed? You see how I screwed it all up? Yeah, I think yeah. So. I, you keep doing your show. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. I don't know if I can offer a comment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted to just draw a straight line between what we're doing at Project Fifty and Personal Pack. Okay, please. So. Yeah, I was I was on the board of Personal Pack when I was still here in 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 Illinois in the early '90s. I saw the the progress that was being made. We weren't there yet. We hadn't uh, tipped tipped the scales, but could see the progress that was being made. And then headed to Arizona for 23 years, and I I literally would make a pilgrimage periodically back to Illinois to meet with Terry Cosgrove. To talk about whatever the challenge we had was at the moment. It was, Terry, how much time do you spend recruiting and training and supporting candidates? And then he would tell me how much time he spent doing that and how he did it and how he landed on uh, and how he in, in, uh, developed the confidence of candidates to stay on message. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what we're talking about doing in Project 50, and, and we're so lucky that Terry is formally an advisor to our work, is to take that approach because amazingly there are almost no personal packs in the country fully developed fully fleshed out political organizations that are laser focused on reproductive rights there are almost none the ones that i can point to in massachusetts in colorado in virginia are groups that are really former narel there's an there's an organization called narel and at a certain point they decided to that their local chapters they were going to they were going to become a centralized organization and so some of their local chapters chose to continue as as independent groups. And so Cobalt in Colorado and Repro Rising in Virginia, they're great groups. They're basically spinoffs from NARAL. But Personal PAC, which was founded on day one to do this work independently tapping leadership in Illinois, is almost unheard of in the country. How's that feel, Terry? It's that by bar, bar, the bar high for the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, I just did. Hey, what look, I, did. I was. I was just, look, when I ran for office, I was happy they didn't come in heavy on my race because I ran against an incumbent. Uh, so thank you again for that. But no, I agree. I mean, like I, I was so thrilled. We we met at a uh, at a Fourth of July parade. You were behind us. The, right. Yeah, personal right. pack was behind us, and I was like just enthralled and so happy to to build this this relationship and to offer whatever we can do. And and I would love to talk to some of the. I mean, like for. In, in those states so that, again, we can – again, we're talking to Jeannie Diaz from Arkansas. If you have folks who we talked to, we talked to Eric Willoughby in North Carolina. We talked to Jess Piper because we know that in Illinois we've got uh, – you know, we have a lot of work to do. And we want to make sure that our neighbors, that in general across the country, that people are turning out and aware of how important this issue is. Um, I, I'm going to say this because I, I said it off the air. I, I do uh, sometimes wonder if, if gay men are going to save us. Uh, Dan, Dan Schaefer from Palatini joins us on the air. He's the host, of, co-host of Palatini on Sunday mornings with Megan Kelly. Uh, Dan, you're on with Terry Cosgrove and Brian Howard. 
Wow, quite the introduction. You just got to the gay card right away. <laughs> Didn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I love it. I know. It's like, uh, my no, head's going to explode. I'm like, I can't. I can't. I need to have this conversation, Dan. Um, I know totally you, great. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, and of course, I've been on hold for so long, and now my dog decides to leave mine as soon as you bring me on there. <laughs> Um, no, I think the last time Terry was on, I made the comment of like, I myself am never going to need an abortion. Although if I did, it'd have to be like an immaculate conception scenario. <laughs> um, but I will defend uh, a woman's right to access to healthcare because that's what it is. It's healthcare. Um, and Brian brought up a really good point about uh, religion and how a lot of these laws that are being legislated are based off of a certain religion, but not other individual religion, right? And so I always cynically say, and it sounds uh, insincere to say cynically, but I would say in America, you're, you're free from persecution from religion, just just not your religion. It has to be mine. And in that case, it's the evangelicals that get to, to write the laws. So, right, right. Um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's why I've been proud to uh, to feature Catholics for Choice on the show mm-hmm. as well and have a great conversation. I I am, uh, uh, I guess, spiritually uh, free. Uh, I have, I, I've dabbled in my I was raised Mormon, married in the Catholic Church, confirmed Lutheran. It's a lot. Wow. It's a lot, a lot. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm eclectic. I guess I'm eclectically yeah. ecclesiastical. Was that ecclesiastical? <laughs> I really put much, too much emphasis <laughs> on the I don't know. That's, that's yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of a lot. words to I, I like, pull I, together I, in the right tense. Yeah. yeah, well, I like Buddhism the most. Yeah. But, uh, but at any rate, uh, I mean... It's so hard to have to have those arguments. I was talking about how really this is all about persuasion. Um, but when people are so deeply uh, defensive because of their tradition, because of what they believe to be their moral high ground, their righteousness, it's very hard to get through that. Uh, it, it's it's you know, centuries of that. Absolutely. Well, it is. No, and it's, yeah, I agree. Yep. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, if, if evangelical, I mean, the word the there is evangelism, evangelizing. Right. You know, the tenet of the, it, it's not about living with your own faith. It's about, it's if you're not exporting your faith to other people around you, you're not, you're not fully living your faith. I'm not here to argue with somebody's faith or not. Right. But, you know, what in our movement, we're arguing is, we're, we're arguing that People should live their lives according to their own values, their own beliefs, theirs, their families, and in consultation mm-hmm. with their physician. We're, we're not here to contradict anybody's faith. Yeah. No. The bumper sticker on the back of my car says, against abortion, question mark, don't have one. Right. And I feel like adding one yeah. on the other side of the, uh, the car that says, against gay marriage, don't marry yes. someone of the same gender. I mean, it to me is yes. so... I was going to say that. Yes. So, yeah. If you don't like gay marriage, don't get gay yeah, marriage. Yeah, I would, it's, not like, it. it's not like you walk into you know Starbucks or a coffee and you come out and you go, God, I married someone of the same gender. It's like it, it's, <laughs> right. both of these require you to take certain steps. Yep. And uh, yeah, and and it really I just, and I don't understand. I guess I I I don't have the full explanation why more people 
just don't take that attitude. Like, like there's a lot of things that other people do, and I won't go into any details. Flip-flops in church drives that, me crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> things that other people do that I wouldn't do that I think are wrong, yeah. that, that shouldn't be done. But you know what? It's not my place yeah. to tell other people how to live their lives. Yeah, don't and, chew with your mouth open. I'm not going to make a law about it, but still, yeah. don't spit and, on me and when it's stuff that really <laughs> irritates <laughs> Right? It is things that really irritate me that yeah. I think are wrong yeah. and that people shouldn't be doing. But in the end, I, it's not my right or place to tell other people how to live their lives. Yep. And uh, and that's it. You that's know, it. That's, and I, I yeah. don't understand why that isn't more of a uh, more part of our national. Evangel- yeah. Evangelicalism. Is that the right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting. And I, yeah. Oh, go go ahead, up. please. No, I, I, no, you go, Brian. You're, you're, you're the smarter person. And <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure I'm not. But I, I was, I was going to say, you know, the, 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 um, yeah, the evangelical, the leaders, leadership assert that LGBTQ, you know, that gay people are gay men are trying to recruit, other, you know, replacement gays, or you know, that there's a. Re- re- that there's recruitment going on, and you know, spares, it's, is that, it's the one thing that we, as we part don't. Of the replacement theory. As far as I know, that we don't do. But I, I would say it is that in my in my many years, and I, I'm thinking this is true, Terry. Game, LGBTQ people do have a really important role in the reproductive rights movement, and I think it, in part it's because. You grow up knowing if you're a, if a gay, gay young gay man, uh, lesbian, uh, um, transgender person. You have to be. You have to become political simply to be, simply to exist. Yeah, yeah it's right. it's not mm-hmm. to even to defend the right to make a decision, or you. It's simply to mm. be, and and you you are steeped in that as is yeah. your formation mm-hmm. as a human being, and that that gives you a mm. an empathy. For the autonomy that we're trying to protect for women in reproductive rights. That's a really good point. I've never thought of it that way. Me neither. Yeah. That's I'm going to put that down as profound point of the day. See? That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Dan called it. I'm like, I'm going to yeah. say it out loud on the air. Gay men are going to save us, folks. But, you know, just, just no, for I, the record, not to, not to engage too much in this conversation because yeah. we do want to finish on yes. politics and what's right. But, but, but there Dan, are, but there, there, um, the, uh, the native people that were here before all of us white people showed up and decide, well, at least in my case, uh, decided to show up and tell uh, other people how to live their lives, um, treated um, gay people, yes. two-spirited people, oh, yeah. they called it. In fact, And there's more than two genders yeah. in Native Yeah, there are more than two culture. genders, and, yeah. and we were the, you know, the, we were the spiritual advisors people came to in the, mm-hmm. in the tribes and, and talked about, you know, we, and carried the history of of Native yeah. Americans and all of that. So there is kind of this, uh, you know, this history. And the, the word faggot, which I love the, um, the origin of it, it is the bundle of wood that was used to burn witches. And who were witches? They were feminists that practiced medicine, that, um, that stood I, up against patriarchy. So that word has a lot of, I think, Incredible, I didn't know that. deep meaning. That's projectionism by definition. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. a word that terrifies you. Exactly. And, and, and so, and yep. it was, and it was the men who supported 
um, witches that were bundled with the bundle of wood and were burnt at the stake with wow. women who were burned as witches. Yeah, so wild. See, we learned something. I don't know why we got off on that, but, that, <laughs> but it's an important. I point. didn't know that, but I'm glad that I do now. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think if there's this thing called Google that friends give me exists <laughs> when I have a question. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate Thank it. You, Dan. We, Dan, Dan was trying to say that the gay agenda. Dan, you said it was um, brunch and and cocktail. Is it? Is that, brunch at 11. That's really the only day agenda. Is the agenda. So it's, it's, really, it's, actually really, it's actually really fun. Like Everybody should try it. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a, a drag brunch coming up, right, on February 18th? We do, February 18th. Gracie O'Malley is uh, at Six Corners. So uh, everybody's welcome to, to join it. It's $45. All you can drink, order uh, food off the menu. Um, let me know if you two, if you three want to show up. I am going to be out of town, but if you do it again in March or April or May or June. Yeah, we do it once a month. So absolutely. And it's really cool. It gets the whole community. Will you keep Patty posted and then she'll, um, tell me. Oh, there you go. I text Patty daily. I think she has my email, so she, I don't want to give it on the okay. air. <laughs> I'll connect you guys as well. Oh, I'll connect you as well because, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Dan and Megan host on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. So if you want to get up early some Sunday, they're right here on WCPT okay, as well. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I love you, Patty. Talk to you love later. Love you too, Dan. Bye. What were you saying, Brian? Sorry. No, I'm oh, good. Let's take a break I here. want to say something. Yes. I want to, I, I'm looking at our little clock here, and um, I to all the points about the you know religion and um, all the horrible things that are going on. The bottom line is we are not going to change any of this until we elect people who are going to stand up for rights. So yep. that we use our democracy, our right to vote, and that we take this election that's coming up very, very seriously. Yes. And um, everyone listening to, you know, the show today and, and between now and November really needs to figure out what they can do. None of us are completely powerless. We all have the ability to contribute to this country moving in the right direction and, and standing up against the, you know, the fascist tendencies that are staring us down the, you know, uh, right in our face. And people can contribute money to Project50.net. They can, they can uh, go, there's so many organizations that are organizing postcards, doing text banking, that everyone, uh, Jan Schakowsky says, turn off your TV and pick up a clipboard. Oh boy. And, and no, and that's hey, true. Hey, so, the stairs are good for the the quads. Just saying. And yeah, and it, and you don't even have to. You know, it would be great if people want to leave their home and they want to go canvas for um, a candidate. Um, you know, Patty, you know, during the Supreme Court race, I. Brian, yeah. K, Brian and I were both separately and individually up in Wisconsin working for Chana Pro Stage. So we can do all of this work. And and um, I wish I could uh, remember his name to quote him correctly because I don't like to take uh, credit for other people's work. But it isn't the margin of error in these polls that we should be concerned about. We should all be concerned about the margin of effort mm. because yes. all of the races that we're Good talking point. about, whether it's the the five sister senators in South Carolina, whether it's Biden, whether it's a Supreme Court race in uh, North Carolina, mm -hmm. these are going to be determined by people getting out and voting and taking them seriously, but also all of us as individuals doing what we can 
uh, to, and that can be on social media too, but doing what we can, uh, we're not all Taylor Swift and we say register to vote 45. I wish 45,000 people <laughs> right? would register when I say register to vote right now, but unfortunately I don't have a, a several Grammy uh, winning albums, but, uh, but it's really important. So I want to end on that, that there, that this work, there's a lot of work that needs to be done between now and November and that all of us can really pitch in and do something. And every one of us, regardless of our abilities and, and our resources can have a, can have a role in it. I mean, we need to ask everyone that we know, are you properly registered to vote? Right. Particularly in states like Wisconsin and, and uh, the swing states, you know, and Ohio. I mean, look at, look at what happened in Ohio. I mean, when I sent out my email, I found out that Tina Chin, Lori Lightfoot, um, so many other people Grew up in Ohio, and they knew people there. And it, and yes, so, you make those connections. Were, I'm just using those as names that people yep. would know. But there were so many other people. I mean, I probably sent out 150 emails, and at least 30 people thanked me for that and said, "I'm going to get in touch with the people I know in Ohio, you know, to to get involved with the referendum." So that's just an example of of what we can do. Just sitting at home on our uh, on our laptop and talking right. to everyone we know. There should not be any polite conversation at dinner parties or parties. We should all be talking about this because everyone is anxious about yeah. the about the outcome of this. So wherever we go, we need to be talking about it, not just yep. on the great Patty Vasquez show, but, <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but everywhere but else. We're evangelizing. We even <laughs> evangelizing. Well, we're not taking away rights. We're giving people exactly. rights. Exactly. I'm just saying, our, we're spreading the word yes, of getting involved. Exactly. Brian? Well, just that I think that we tend to make politics this big, hairy thing. And this is just a part of a part of being in our communities. It's um, and it's great connecting in in these campaigns and organize through organizations like Project 50 through through groups like uh, Progressive Arkansas Women in Arkansas or uh, We Are Rising in Oklahoma or the Women's Rights and Empowerment Network in South Carolina. You're connecting with fellow travelers who hold similar values to yours. And and that in itself is a good experience. Um, and Terry was talking about the you know, canvassing in um, canvassing in the Milwaukee suburbs in, in the slush and the the snow. Oh God, yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, you know the number of people who just thanked you. Nobody stops at my door. Thank you right. for stopping yeah. at my door, and thank you for you know sh- uh, 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 telling me your thoughts. Um, so it's it's a it's a good experience. It is. You guys, I'm going to take one break, and then we'll say goodbye yep. in just a moment on WCPT at twenty Heartland Signal. Well, I want to thank our guest, Brian Howard from Project 50. That's Project 50. Uh, again, that's project50.net. And you can find out how you can get involved, uh, support the work that they're doing, get the word out, get folks out to vote. Is there anything I'm missing? Uh, you were mentioning that for rallies, someone texted that some of our sister organizations. So our partner organizations in Arkansas. All, uh, and you can contact me through our website uh, or through uh, info at project50.net. But our partner organizations in Arkansas, Oklahoma, South Carolina, they'll be doing rallies, they'll be doing um, postcard drives, they'll be doing phonathons, especially as we get closer to their primaries uh, in the m- weeks and months ahead. 
Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for coming in studio. Terry, safe travels. I, will, I promise to get you a list of the places that I loved in Mexico City. Are you going to go see the Blue House, uh, Frida Kahlo's oh, house? Of course. Yes. Did you make reservations for that yet? No, make no. Make your reservations. Oh, really? That would be my first thing make to tell you. Make your reservations. Make your reservations yeah. for the Blue House tour. Uh, and if you can't get in there, but also her studios and, and um, Diego Rivera's uh, studios, are those are open and it's not as right. hard to get into. And the restaurant right across the street is fantastic. Okay. So I will send you information about that. Okay. Okay, send uh, it love in the it. email. Okay. I will send it in the email. And uh, Brian, are you traveling soon or are you... Uh, nope. Uh, now until uh, Here November, in Illinois? this is uh, Stay Focused. Well, you don't have to wait for yeah. Terry to bring you in. So we'll we'll connect so that I can uh, bring I Brian in say, as well. And we'll I, I like the partnership, but... Yeah. You know, yeah, it was, always happy. Thank you so. Yes, thank you. please. Uh, thank you so much, Paul. I, I might tell them it was my fault for some of those commercials at the end. There, uh, Devil's Advocates are up next with Mike Crute and followed by Matt McNeil. Bye, everybody. See you tomorrow. <laughs>